0: Hey guys, I just wanted to give a quick little preface to this episode. Um, you know, last couple episodes we've had some issues with audio quality, and um, this one unfortunately was better, but not not great either. So I spent a lot of time trying to edit this. There was probably six to seven hundred edits that I ended up having to do. Discord, which is our platform we were using for these interviews, something's going on with it, especially as of late, and. Uh, it's not working out for us. It cuts the audio in weird spots. It adds background noise that we didn't hear during the broadcast. So um, for future episodes, we're actually going to try a new platform. And hopefully this is the last one you guys hear from us with the, uh, unfortunately less than ideal audio quality. Although uh, this one sounds a lot better now that I've edited everything and gone through it all. So apologize in advance. Hopefully I got most of it, if not all of it. The other thing to note for this episode is one of the mod developers uh, that was developing the JAS39 Gripen mod. Um, That mod actually came out already, and we were talking about it uh, as it was going to come out in the future. Uh, They actually used the words two weeks, which it actually turned out to be two weeks. Uh, So go them. Um, I wanted to bring up that I was hoping to get this episode out before that actually happened but because of the issues and all the edits i had to do it didn't happen so you know you'll be hearing them talking about the mod coming out in the future but it is already out as of the release of this recording and you can find it uh up on github or the dcs forums um i'm sure somebody has a link we'll try to post a link as well in the show notes so Go check it out, let them know, give them some feedback, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and hopefully it's the last one that we have with the unfortunate audio quality. Enjoy. Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought
1: to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation.
0: hey everybody welcome back to another episode of the air combat sim podcast uh today we're gonna go ahead and talk about the uh unofficial mod community we've got some guests with us today actually it's a pretty full house so uh we'll see how this goes i think this is probably the most people we've had on a podcast at the same time um so we'll give it a go and see what happens uh But first, uh, I'm just gonna go top to bottom. We have uh, Breadmaker, and I think you're part of the uh, Grippen team. Is
2: that right, Breadmaker? That's correct. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. A bit tired. I've had party for my the whole weekend, but I'm all good.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for showing up uh, and being here with us. Yep. Thanks for being here. Next, we have uh, Casmo. How you doing, Casmo? I'm doing great, as always. Hopefully, hopefully you don't need a, an introduction. Most people probably know you. Oh, ten, tens so. of people know me. Tens, tens of people. Oh, yeah. Awesome. At least. Hopefully, hopefully one of those people was from having you on here. At least one. <laughs> Glad you can make it today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next we have uh, we have Goat or Rob. How you doing? Good man. Good. I think it is the Casmo compared to all the oh. other. Yeah. Hmm. Right. So it is wait are you like the, the casmo the,
3: the only one that i know of oh, okay
0: no i don't know i always i always get that are you the jabbers like, is there <laughs> another right. one is there, <laughs> there's another jabbers out there kind of I've never seen that yeah <clears throat> uh, and then we have matt matt you are um from the c130 hercules mod i believe
4: yes you know i am that right how you doing uh living the dream here
0: where's here uh, Wyoming. Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Wow. There's only one dream, and it's shared across yeah, everybody. Exactly. Yeah.
5: I've never Wyoming. met anybody from Wyoming before.
0: Well, now you have. Nice. I was going to say, you're probably the only representative on this podcast for as long That's as correct. it'll live from Wyoming. Yeah,
4: well, yeah, there's this, like, pandemic thing that you might have heard about, and I was living in New York, and I thought, I think I don't want to live here anymore, so I left. Oh, wow. So I live here.
5: Can we do the Hi. whole podcast on...
4: Wyoming uh, itself, I think we can. I uh, Jackson Hole. No, yeah, that's pretty, pretty much all I know, too. I think the rest of the state is just, uh, it's just flat, not sure there's right. anything else
0: there. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, being here, and we'll talk about your mod shortly. And next, we have uh, Particle Man from the T45 mod. I, I think I got that right. Hello, is that right? Yeah, VNAO simulations is what we go by. I guess I should reference um your guys' actual team names, but I didn't write Oh, that it's on. fine.
1: Yeah, we basically started up a sim channel a sim like offshoot of the VNAO uh DCS uh group uh air wing kind of a thing where we do uh as close as we can to real navy training for aviators and we decided that uh, we needed a better training jet and so that's where the T 45 came from
0: awesome well it's it's been fun to use that mod for sure i think me and tricker had some good fun uh we had a lot of fun yeah thanks i believe it involved multiple rolls and catching a three wire all at the same time (laughs) probably the best trap i've ever seen in my life it was pretty good and then uh last we had oh no we get tricker i guess i'll introduce tricker i mean
5: yeah yeah. i've been talking already trickers here hey everybody
0: how you doing tricker what have you been up to man
5: i just got back from the gym so i'm here
0: so you're all swole uh yeah and sweaty nice that's how i like you thank you you. uh (laughs) next we have vine dog uh for also from the gripping team how you doing vine dog
6: What's good, my dudes? Um, yeah, I'm Vine Dog, uh, representing uh, Lion Eagle Simulations. Currently working on the uh, the Community Gripping mod, as uh, as well as uh, a couple other mods to be mentioned at a later awesome.
0: date. The uh, the Gripping mod's coming out pretty soon, right?
6: Two weeks, actually oh. two weeks. No, no a... jokes about it.
0: We're gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna start the clock. We're gonna see about yeah. that.
6: Feel free to start holding your breath.
5: That <laughs> sounds good. How do you come up with the name Vine Dog, anyway? It's pretty cool.
6: It was uh, an old AOL name back when I was 13.
5: Oh, oh okay.
6: Yeah. It wasn't it's from a mix of my was last you? name and uh, Doug.
0: And nice. Ooh. Dog.
6: It's, it's a rapper. Daug.
0: It's not because you Vine were like a, a big Vine fan. Remember that? Social
6: no. Vine is the first half of my last name.
0: Oh, okay. Um so yeah so let's talk a bit about uh the process of creating the mods that you guys have developed. I think um you know there's all sorts of mods in DCS there's you know extra assets to use changes to things that already exist but I think the biggest thing um and the, probably the hardest thing is adding new actual modules that are flyable in DCS you know new planes new helicopters we haven't, we haven't have we seen a helicopter mod
1: yeah the the little bird uh, was actually developed by the person, the engineer who helped us create the t forty five nibby lot. So he's the only one that I'm aware of that gave the community uh, a standalone uh, EFm for creating helicopters. And I think there's a few people who are creating some helicopters off of it right now, even though it is kind of broken right now with two point seven only because it needs to be updated for the new code but that's the only one that's out there that exists to and my knowledge. Somebody There's code, a
4: whole uh, bunch of people using 8, that much. 53 the other day. Yeah, that's yep. one that's yep. based
1: off of
0: that. Got it. That's pretty cool. That'd be cool to see some, some helicopters. I haven't actually thought about that. I always see the planes and just go for the planes, but I don't really browse the forums too much to see what's really out there. I wait until somebody points it. That's your bias you kicking know. in. It is. Yeah, that's no, the it is.
3: of the helicopter is nobody thinks about us.
6: Yeah. Well there's also an AH1 mod that came out the other day.
0: Really? Yeah, on the, uh,
6: the user files.
0: Oh, okay. I'll have to look that up. I usually wait until somebody says, "Hey, did you check this out?" just because there's so much stuff out there I don't have the
6: time to to browse it yeah. all myself. No joke. I check the user uh every morning with the news as I wake up. Oh, okay.
0: I used to have I used to have the uh, a Discord called Splash One Gaming. And I used to have – well, I do have a bot that I made for it, um, and it posts the news and, and all sorts of stuff. But I, I used to have it browse the user files and post everything new to a channel um, whenever something new came out. But I found that they 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 seem to release everything all at the same time. And so you'd get this channel wow. that would just get spammed rather than, hey, here's a new thing, you know, every couple hours. It's just like, hey, here's the – Fifty new things. It just, it just was unmanageable.
5: You said you check the uh, the mods every morning. Where do you do that at? I'm asking for a friend.
6: Uh, I just check the user files, and and the thing with the user files is you got to go a couple pages deep each day because they it takes them time to like approve. So it's not just like what's on the first page is what just came out. Sometimes you got to go a page or two deep. Yeah, it's uh, all manually approved. That... Mm-hmm.
5: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know so.
0: So um, I guess the first question I have is, uh, given the fact that you guys don't necessarily have an SDK to work with, um, I mean, you don't, right? There's no, there's no nope. real direction for the mods you guys make, right? It's just all exp- exploration of the current code base?
6: I'd say it's about 50% collaboration amongst the teams, and the rest is a bunch of loopholes and around.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of people, there's a couple of people who aren't in here, like the developer, the A4, um, who's done a lot of exploratory work uh, to find things that were only thought to be available with the third-party developer SDK. There is an SDK, and I'm not an engineer by trade. Uh, There are obviously engineers in this discussion, so they can speak closer to it, but we don't have access as non-third-party developers to the Actual engine code um, to do some of the things like multi-cruise sync, uh, the way that it's done in the base simulator. But I know Matt for for specifically has a little bit more experience with engineering than I do because we've talked, and he actually helped us out with the T45 with our initial release uh, to kind of get through the two points. 7 hurdles.
4: Basically there's the there's the EFM API and that's really all that's public. Um but that lets you put basically, you know, an event loop, an update loop, um in C. Um and then the Lewis stuff, I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> it's like folk wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> like you, know, you sort of look you sort of like look at what other people have done and then you figure out, oh, there's that variable that's exposed, and I don't know, just sort of adds up. But um, the EFM stuff is really kind of where it gets interesting because you can put arbitrary code in there. I mean, it's it's an API, it's a model, and the, but the you can e model whatever. FM
0: EFM stands
4: for external, external flight, flight model, model yeah. Right? So that's like the um the flight model API that you know you know ED themselves use or Hepler uses, um, and that's that's what they make public. The headers for that are in the game base install.
0: Okay, um, so so oh, just to try to um break everything down for people who don't know, and especially people who don't code, um. DCS has multiple different flight models that you can develop against. One is called the the SFM which is simplified flight model, correct? That is the Yeah, that's right. That is uh actually what I believe the AI probably uses. Um yeah, so it's it kind is. of UFOE and and it doesn't do things that, you know, a normal mm-hmm. flight model would or, or you would expect from a flight model. Um and then they have the next level up it would be the EFM, correct?
4: Yeah, so EFM describes like a method more than an actual thing. It's it's the use of the API that Eagle Dynamics provides to basically implement physics on an object. And, um,
0: and it works. Maybe you don't have access to the code. You're just telling it here. Use this. Use this. But but it does more stuff than the simplified flight model, obviously, because it's it. It's like, yeah, and, and um,
4: and what I'm, yeah, yeah, the um, the the code and the sort of instruction set for that is actually uh available to anybody that wants it. That's the one part of this sort of you know walled garden that ed makes
0: public, I, yeah. Um, I've seen that that's actually included in the base install, correct? Um, and that's a c you have to do c for that, I think, exactly, yeah. Um, and then the next level up, I believe, which is completely hidden to us, is actually the, the PFM, which is so. Yeah, so, as far as I know, it's called professional flight so model. So P- they-
4: PFM, as I understand it, describes uh, an implementation of an EFM model. So it's it's it uses the same EFM tool set. It's just that it has met some standard for quality and accuracy.
0: I see. Okay, that's cool. Um. So what about the the multi crew stuff? So what? There's nothing for that publicly. (laughs) So how do you guys get around that? I mean, at a high level, obviously, let's let's remember that we're talking to people who don't have um, or may not have the technical knowledge that some of you guys have. Yeah, um,
4: ours is is wild. I mean, we, um, you know, it's it's pretty easy to set up um, in the in the files to define that there's like a second seat in this plane. Um, what you can't do normally is like synchronize switches, or you know, have like you right. know collaboration between the different um, crew members. And so, what what we did um, was you know we start just an actual web server <laughs> in the EFM code, uh, and i i don't I don't even know how to talk about getting into like
0: you, know, you, you, code you stuff, basically
4: but, um yeah we run a web server and connect the two people physically like over the internet and send data back and forth across the that, wire. That makes sense. So about you, who's clicked which switches, yeah.
0: So you guys basically wow. start your own network. Like, yeah. so you connect to a multiplayer server, and all of that data goes to the multiplayer server, but you guys create a network that goes peer-to-peer, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's how you're doing the syncing. That's pretty yeah. well.
5: Thanks for dumbing so like, it down
0: for me. You're welcome.
6: <laughs> I, like I, like I, I said, I, the aspects aspect of modding, it's, it's you know, loopholes, walk-arounds, yeah. and coding black magic.
0: Interesting, interesting. And, i know and, i know people talking to Heepler, they had to do some of the same kind of stuff for the rio seat to, to yeah i bet work around some of the issues they had interesting yeah uh, it's it's
1: it's real quick i just want to interject yeah. and so that's specific to the hercules and so you know that we don't have that system on the t45 which i'm sure people are aware of so what you see in the t45 is a la the 339 which is another great uh freeware which has gone payware uh, aircraft and and we've been in contact with uh, those developers uh, VNAO and and we've we've talked a lot about it when we were developing the 45 and we have the same kind of limitations and so what you're seeing with the 45 is like the extent of before going to what Matt's created in the Hercules uh, code set with that uh, peer-to-peer system. Uh, is about what you're going to get if you don't do that. Is what we see in the T45, which is the gear syncs, the handle syncs, the desyncs, and stuff like that. And mostly is syncing problems. Yes, mostly syncing issues. The systems are actually working; they're just not synchronized. Yeah, there's
4: yeah, there's like nothing at all in the base, in like at least the um, part of the environment that we have access to that that handles synchronization at all. That's all you have to roll yeah, your interesting.
0: own. Interesting that's pretty cool i I mean that shows the uh the commitment to the community to try to figure all this stuff out and it's awesome that you guys all share that between yourselves because um you know we probably wouldn't have half the mods we have now if that weren't the case i
5: mean i kind of i kind of i kind of have like a quick question so like well it's probably not really quick but if somebody brand new wanted to get into like modding is there like a go-to guide or like a discord or something that somebody brand new can be like hey i need this information to figure something out
6: there is a modding discord there's a couple yeah. of them but there's one that's fairly easy to get to um, and if anybody wants to know what i'm talking about feel free to message me blind dog on the uh grip and mod server um there's a lot of very solid modders that are on there there's also a decent amount of information uh that's through and read uh just keep in mind that the learning curve is fairly steep but the community is incredibly generous and if you show a desire to actually get some work done yourself uh, guaranteed 90% of the time you reach out to somebody, they'll at least point you in the right direction or even help you along. And that's the experience I've had.
1: Which and and don't fantastic. forget to check the pinned stories before you start asking a bunch of questions because there's a lot of pinned information in that. It's actually called the DCS Modding Hub. Mm-hmm. I actually got it highlighted right now, but that's, that's, that's where most of us, I think, in this chat actually are part of, and we've you know gleaned a lot of
6: information out of there. Cool. That's where I got started as well.
0: You can send me the discord invite to that and i can um we'll we'll include that in the show notes or something
6: is there a skill set you know what's the base skill set that somebody needs to get going in something like this yeah
4: i mean it's it's really two different types of things i mean you can you can be involved in in one of two sides the 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 three d art side um, which probably has a a little bit of an easier on ramp and then there's the you know the code side and then within the code side there's really you know folks that um you know, maybe you're familiar with scripting, um, like in the Lua language, um, like for mission design. And I think a lot of people, they, you know, they get comfortable writing Lua code to, you know, to to make some sort of a dynamic mission. Um, and then, but then, but then there's the C stuff, which is where the I think, at least for me, the really kind of cool stuff starts to happen. Um, and from there, it's you know, that learning curve is steep um, if you're not a software engineer.
6: There's also the two D livery art. A uh, portion of it. it, it may not be considered pure modding, but uh, I'd say the vast majority of people who create content are either making missions or, or liveries, and that's greatly appreciated. And scratch is kind of the same itch as like painting a model airplane, uh, and that's personally where I got started—is uh, you know, either through GIMP or Photoshop making liveries.
2: I'd also say it's—it uh, depends on what kind of mod you want to do. Uh, I'm part of the of the equipment team, and we are we are. A Team of people with different skill sets. Uh, I work on the 3D model, basically. Uh, but I mean, you can do very simple mods. I I did a, a wind turbine, uh, which is basically a 3D model with some blades spinning around. Spinning around, and that's very easy to code, especially if you take help from the modding hub. Uh, and then you can, if you, if you only want to do simple mods, you can do it with pretty basic skills. Uh, but if you want to be do something. More advanced, of course, you need to know more or be a part of a team. Is that why
5: your name yeah. is Breadmaker?
2: You uh you <laughs> made a, a windmill to make flour? <laughs> yeah. No. The breadmaker name is actually a, a long a long story. If if anyone's curious, they're they're free to free to contact me. But yeah. Uh you let's say for now it's about windmills. Yeah. That's okay. that's a good explanation. <laughs> I know. Go ahead.
1: Can I? I just wanted to, in talking about, you know, you don't have to make, you know, that that windmill reference uh, for modding is actually a good point because not only did we do the T forty five, but you know, we actually started our first public mod release with a VR ready room, which uh, we were kind of exploring, and that was based on Nibby Lots Little Bird. It actually is a helicopter, but we stuck a room onto it and it's actually a 25 player multi-crew helicopter that allows you to sit in there and we do uh vr we basically you don't have to have vr it can be track ir or vr but we can actually support 25 people in there synchronized with like powerpoint briefing slides that are all synchronized across the server so that you basically say okay everybody download this slide pack put it in this folder in the mod and then when you get in there when somebody goes to slide two it's like an intel map from the mission that's coming up and so somebody can actually stand at the podium you know there's no players in there right now uh visually but they're actually in there and they can dim the lights and they can change the slides and srs actually works in there as well so you can actually hear people talking if you want to uh that are flying uh, but that—that's another approach to it um, that doesn't have to necessarily be an aircraft. You can build things other than aircraft, and so that's kind of the extreme of a non-aircraft mod. But it's—it's it's completely possible to do other things than an, a full aircraft mod.
0: Huh. That's pretty cool. I, I think- know that a um, uh, buddy of mine, Grinelli, I actually tried to get him to um, come on here, but uh, I didn't get a response from him. He—he's uh, the guy that did the F twenty two mod. Um he's done a couple other things, but he started doing just liveries and uh got involved in the community there and um worked his way up to actually doing a lot more. So I mean that that's kind of a testament to what you guys were saying where you you know, a lot of the people and you guys in particular also said that you started with some other stuff and then worked your way on up. It's pretty cool.
6: I'd say the best uh if you're if you're trying to get into modding, the best ways to try to do static objects. Uh, they're they're the simplest to make. 3D-wise, and the easiest to get in-game. And I have a ton of static objects mod that I use in my missions all the time, and they're greatly appreciated if it be like a ladder for a jet or a a generator to get it started or like a trailer with missiles on it. I mean, you know, those tiny little things uh, are fairly easy to make modding-wise, and they're hugely appreciated, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, and and that's a really great way for you to to make something fairly you know fairly simple with a, with a, a manageable learning curve, and still be able to kind of get something out there for people to to enjoy, like so an IKEA a, building. <laughs> I
5: was exactly. gonna say an example would be the DCS cow. Then how would you make that animated? Like, is that a different program? Yeah,
2: Believe actually, at animated,
1: animated gets into like a whole nother... Go ahead, Brad.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, animation is actually done in the partially in the 3D uh, program uh, you use arguments it's called and then you are, you, the animation gets a number uh, the number for the animation itself and then a value for from -1 to +1 what it should do and then you define that with some code uh, how it should work extremely tedious
1: yeah, but the point yeah. but the point, just a just quick into the 3D section of things to, to make a cow, you know, have the legs move and the tail and the head and all that, you're talking about building a full skeletal rig for the thing, which means putting a, you know, a, a skeleton into it, then weighting the model to that rig, then having knowledge of animation. So it just starts going down a huge rabbit hole when you start going down things like having a pilot walk around or look or go into a pose uh, all the carrier deck. Uh, Crew is, you know, I think it's mocap data that's parented to and translated to uh, skeletal rigs. To it's, you can see it starts going down a huge rabbit hole when you talk about things like that. It's a lot of work uh, and it takes a lot to get it right.
0: Yeah, but you know, when you get a cow on a carrier, there's nothing more satisfying. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's all about. It pays for itself. So it's (laughs) legendary
2: we should also mention for for all of those who are interested in doing mods it's 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 pretty simple uh if you know a little bit of how to do it uh to get started like you said vindo to make a static object and just put it in in the game and that's a very rewarding feeling and if you start with something simple you can always learn the next step after that so uh, people shouldn't feel that oh i need to know how to Program a uh, an advanced 510 fighter jet to start doing mods. No, that's not the truth. You you can actually start with something simple and then learn from that.
6: You can do one thing and get good at it, and then you can join a team because uh, the vast majority, if not all, of the quality mods out there are, are a team effort. Um, it's you know hundreds of combined hours. Everyone you know using up their free time and and putting something together. Um, so the vast majority of these mods are hundreds and hundreds of combined hours. With multiple team members working together and getting tasks done, and that and that's a, a big part of the joy of doing it too. Is you get to meet people along the way and you get to collaborate and, you know, get a great piece of virtual art together.
3: Well, yeah. well, what is the motivation? So that's what I always I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say struggle, but you know, you just guys just said hundreds upon hours, uh, you know, of individuals working together for something that you're putting out for free. Like, what is the what is the long-term goal? Is it is it literally just it's your art and you just like doing it, or is it is there a view towards making it something where it's a
4: it's a, a money-making business? Like like what's the motivations? I think, I think it's I think it's both um, in some cases, but you have to like doing this. I mean, sure. like oh, like, yeah. like if you don't if you don't like uh, you know DCS and airplanes and you know software or art, um, you know this is not going to be something that that you want to do. Yeah. I think for most of us, it's the intersection of all those things that makes it compelling. You know, I um, I don't get to program airplanes in my day job. Um, if I did, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be doing this. Um, right. But yeah, I think you know for for some mods and for some groups, there's an there's an eye towards maybe commercialization. Um, but um, that's definitely not normally, I think, how it starts.
6: I feel like it's ultimately. Ultimately, a passion for aviation, I feel like that's the the base that kind of combines us all together, Um, combined with, you know, uh, investing your time in a hobby that actually produces something of value. And for me personally, Mm -hmm. I've, you know, for years have enjoyed the work of others and just wanted to do my, you know, personal little share in order to, you know, get something to the table. Um, in in my own little way. So, but but first and foremost, it's a passion for aviation. has to You have to be passionate about it.
2: I think it also helps to like, uh, like the um, the project you're working on. Uh, like for us, I'm I'm a Swedish guy and working on the Gripen. I will probably not, never fly a real Gripen in the real life. And waiting for a enough Gripen for the DCS is it's going to take years if if it's ever going to be available so so working on making a an airplane or a a building or a helicopter or a vehicle or anything that you actually would like to see in the game uh, that that's a big motivation at least for me and probably for many others and also the feeling of knowing that other people will appreciate it um Mm -hmm. that other people will finally get to fly their their green plane in, in dcs and and share that experience it's a good motivation. Yeah,
4: I think it's it's actually it's actually a good point. Like I think that a lot of people if they've learned to to program and probably the same with art is like you know the best motivator for you know sort of working through that learning curve is is like a problem that that you personally want solved. And like yeah. the only way to solve it is to learn Python or something. Um, and like at, at least for me with like the Hercules like how I got involved was I just I thought it was awesome. I have like a um, like an open world um, Server and mission that I run with a you know group of friends, and uh we always wanted logistics um and you know the Hueys are fine, but like you know you fly two hundred miles in a Huey, that's not gonna be a great time um so we wanted a plane we you know we saw this, and it was just like holy shit, this is amazing you know want to get involved
0: yeah. is is flying two hundred miles in a Huey is it really not a great time casmo no that's that's a terrible distance. <laughs>
6: <laughs> in any heli- any helicopter.
3: Yeah, that's awful.
1: <laughs>
6: Especially if you get shot down ten minutes before reaching the landing. So yeah, yeah or you fun.
3: lag out or something. <laughs> God bless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Breadmaker, exactly to speak what you just said about creating something that you know you're probably never gonna see in DCS. Let's be realistic. Um, you know, there there are a few jets that DCS will never make, uh just because it doesn't it, it's It's not a return on investment that they, they, they see as, as something. And, you know, one of the things that we did with the T-45 and the ready room, I'll speak to both of them is, you know, in our group, like I said, we like to teach and train, um, to what the Navy does, uh, for their new pilots. And we have a lot of people in Vietnam. We welcome new pilots who have either never flown before are very young or just want to understand how the Navy works and how planes take off, you know, launch and recover off of a carrier. I mean, because that's the sexy stuff that everybody wants to do and and you know be part of. And you're talking about many 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 years of training and study to be able to actually do that. And we're like, well, you know, we had a bunch of cadets coming in and they're like, they are completely overwhelmed with the F eighteen, and we're like, let's create a platform that is more entry level that gets them into a fast jet so they can do the real stuff that actually happens in the Navy. Without having to be overwhelmed by all the you know RWRs, the SA, all the crap that you know, this weapon systems, you know how to start the jet up. It takes two minutes to start this jet up, opposed to the 18 where you've got to align you know systems. And we wanted to cut all that out, and so that's where we were like, we can create this platform, and that's where we just started running with it. You know, not knowing, still not completely sure where we want to go with the project in in real terms yet, because we've generated a lot of interest in it, which is great but you know we more importantly wanted to create something that everyone could get into you can basically download dcs for free download our plane right now and have a multi-crew experience to instruct new pilots off of and that was the entire goal of our project
6: smart man i feel I feel like you guys have succeeded for sure
0: and it's interesting to me too because like i mean you guys created that for the purpose for your group and yet you shared it with everybody like i, I think that's pretty cool
1: yeah, it's, I've seen a lot of mod developers are like, yeah, here's, we created this amazing project, but it's private. And you're just like, then please just keep it to yourself. <laughs> like, I get that you want to show off your work, but if you're going to go neener, neener, you know, it's our toy, you know, you're literally going back to grade school and you're, you know, it, 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 it's not cool. I mean, I, 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 I talk to many developers who do that and I'm just like, what are you doing? Like. You know, give give the community back because you obviously learned and got to where you are by other people being generous and sharing with you, and to. Mm Create something and just hold on to it. I feel is a little bit tough. I, I, real quick, and then I'll, I'll let somebody else talk. You know, one of the things that we have been entertaining with the forty-five is one thing we would love to do, and we have reached out to Ed. Is we want the T forty-five, whether it's in this capacity or in the future, to possibly be part of the base sim that you get for free, so that you mm. get the fifteen, that the the Mustang, and possibly this one. I can't tell you how many supercarrier modules that we have sold for ED with this mod. I know for a fact we've probably sold hundreds of them because I get messages from people every day and, and groups every day who are like, we're adopting this for our entire training wing. You know, we have a couple dozen pilots and everyone now is required to buy the supercarrier mod. And I was like, great. I see none of that money, but enjoy. <laughs> have you gotten any feedback from them yet? uh yeah i'm not going to share it here uh publicly but yes we have gotten feedback
6: uh if i may particle man uh i I just if i may i want to segue into what you said uh that leads into a question that i feel like a vast majority of the viewers have and that is why are so many mods kept private um and so like you particle man before i got into modding myself i would ask myself that question and get incredibly frustrated actually what got me into modding is the fact that a particular mod that I saw available of my favorite airplane uh, he wasn't willing to share and that's actually what got the modding and so the question is is, you know why are so many mods being kept private and I feel like the answer the majority of the time is due to aspects of the mod that prevent the mod from being made public as opposed to the modder himself just selfishly not wanting to share and if I may uh, let's segue into that a little bit because I feel like that's you know A big issue that that frustrates uh, a lot of the community, as as it had frustrated me.
1: I mean, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to speak to specific mods uh, because I I I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is that there are some mods out there, current and past mods, that have. There was a point. I'll say this. There was a point at which ED decrypted a lot of their code. Either they accidentally released an in-house build publicly. And for a limited time, for about a month, month and a half, you could spin off versions of some of the retail aircraft. And this is not a secret. This Everybody in this room who is a modder is aware of this. And mm-hmm. you could literally take, let's say, the base F-18 module, for instance, and rename it, rename a bunch of the base code in there, the Lua, without having to, you know, Edit the DLL, which you can't do anyway, unless you are doing illegal stuff. But the point is, is you could spin that off so that you could not only have the F eighteen C, but you could say the the F eighteen Growler, you know, the G, and you could have those side by side flying. Right now, they've locked that back down, and so there are things like that that you no longer can do, for better or worse, with the simulation uh, code. But um, I think that. Those are the kind of things that would prevent people. Like, for instance, you couldn't distribute that growler because it 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 includes proprietary code from the base paid simulation stuff. So anything that somebody says, I'm keeping private, it usually uses content from one of the paid modules, and that's probably why it's not going public.
6: There's also the aspect of uh, models, assets that are being taken uh, from other platforms. Um, yes, that and is so, another... So, essentially, the way copyright laws work and intellectual property laws work is whatever you do personally for yourself on your own computer, it's all kosher. But the moment you release something to the general public, you get yourself into a bit of a, a, a quagmire of, of legal issues. So, more often than not, a mod is kept private because being made public would ruin the mod correct because of certain assets or codes that are being used within the mod yeah Uh, you know more often than not and so um and and also these are things you know a modder won't be able to discuss the particular reason why a mod is being kept private for fear of drawing attention to those exact reasons and having the whole mod get shut down or Mm -hmm. modding in general i mean we've all seen the great mod purge right um yeah so it's it, it, more often than not, it's not a selfish decision. It's a self-preservation decision
1: exactly. Yes, that's a great way to put it.
2: I think there might also be uh, there are many private mods in the d c s airshow community uh, that are mods like the uh, uh, the red arrows they have their their own uh hawk and so on and it might be because you want to make a mod you want to show it maybe in an air show or in a trailer or in a video or for your group or anything you you want to show it to people uh but you don't want to be responsible for like developing it so that the public will be pleased with it Uh, as soon as you release something for to the public there's also like of course, you you can release it and then not care what what people say. But if if you, when we release our gripping, uh, people are going to have opinions. And if we want to keep developing it and have a community community using it, we need to meet those uh, opinions at least in in some sense. Uh, and therefore, you want might want to have a mod private so that you and your group can use it. And you want might might want to show it, uh, but not release it because th- there might be issues that you are not willing to deal with
0: even to to that point you know a lot of those mods um in, in not all of them obviously some of them are quite in depth but a lot of those mods are just external things yes like it's you know yeah. back, back in the day before the f16 came out we had the thunderbirds and they had a you know an f16 mod but i don't know one way or another but you know, it could have been for all I know, a skin on the F-15 and they're really just flying the F-15 in formation all day long, you know, same same right. thing with maybe, uh, i I know that the virtual blue angels had an actual F-18 C mod, I believe. Um, but you know, most of the stuff in it didn't work. They only made it work for what they needed for their demo, and they never planned on doing more than that. And so, if you release yeah. that to the public, then you know, then people will be like, "Oh, I want this system, or I want that, or why doesn't it have weapons? Why doesn't it?" And then it just becomes, you know, a snowball of, well, we that's not what the intended yeah, purpose was. That, that's Weapon. basically
2: my point. Even if it's sponsored, even if it's exactly like the real aircraft, you you might not want to release it to the public uh, because you you don't want to deal with that.
6: Well, I mean, I think there's also this this broader view of, you know, support, right? And what does the support, operational support for that product look like over the long term? So if somebody wins a lottery and you don't see them anymore, um, you know, what happens to the module? And I think that's a fair question to talk about support I, in the long term. And
0: I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, why ED won't just include mods in their base install. Because the second they do, there's an upkeep, whether it's from the third-party developer or them, you know. And to, to some degree, I mean, look at some of the mods from the past, you know, a new version comes out and you know, I don't want to name names, but you probably figure out what we're talking about. Uh, you know, new version of ED comes out and so-and-so didn't get their code checked in. And now that mod paid mod is broken. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that happens, and, and it's, and it's gotta be frustrating for ED because here they are, they want to support, you know, third-party developers, but they can only support them as far as they can handle the workload as well because if that third-party developer leaves then you know now they have a paid module or even if it's free there's something in the base game where they have to support it
4: and it's also their name on it, right i mean it's i think like to some degree maybe people are aware of different you know third-party developers but probably the majority of people just see dcs you know pay 50 dollars here and you know that's ed's name on it
0: yeah i mean especially new people once you get into right. that world, you know, of DCS, you realize, oh, there's third parties and, you know, we have Hepler, we have Razbam, we have everybody else. But uh, yeah, you're you're right. From an external point of view, looking in from somebody who's never dealt with DCS before, they're like, oh, look, it's the F14, you know, Eagle Dynamics, DCS world, that's all they see. Right.
6: That also brings us to another point. Updates are an immense double-edged sword for the modding community. On one hand, we're immensely appreciative of, you know, new features. And we also, as coders, understand... That in order to get a new feature out, sometimes you have to rewrite, you know, base features. And so every time a new update comes out, we're, you know, we're excited about it. But we're also like frantically running around and talking to each other. Like, what did it break? What doesn't work? What do we need to do to make it work in this new update? And that just adds a whole nother layer of work uh, onto making a mod uh, accessible to the community.
0: That That's actually interesting to me because, um, you know, I'm a software engineer by trade. I, I understand the logistics in creating a public API and the consequences of what happens when you change something. And so usually what happens is you would, you know, forewarn everybody, hey, if you're using this version in this version, that these functions are going to get deprecated and you can't use them anymore. But usually there's a long period of time. You might say it's deprecated, but not obsolete, meaning we're not going to support it. You can still use it, but at some point in the future, we're going to obsolete that API. Wouldn't that be great? But it, you know, to the yeah. point, it doesn't seem like no. that ever happens <laughs> from ED's no. perspective. And and maybe rightfully so, because they don't have to support you guys. Uh they really only need to deal with the, the third parties that are approved, and there's not very many of them. So it's probably easier to, you know, send out a message to I don't know how many we have now. We have like six or seven now. Maybe eight or nine. Yeah. You know, you send out a message to them and you say, Hey, when we move from two point seven to two five seven to two five eight, we're gonna obsolete these APIs, make sure you're ready. That's probably not such a big deal. Whereas, if they opened up third-party modules stuff to everybody from an API perspective, that would be a much bigger task for them on their side to make sure that all of the old code doesn't break. As long as you know, as well as adding yeah, code. I mean, I think what's kind of um, interesting
4: about it though, from a communications perspective, is like it it still happens, right? I mean, they can say that you're not supporting the community, but you know, if you break all of the mods in the community. Um, you know, that still, I think, fosters discontent towards ED. And so there there have been times where it's felt to me like, oh, come on, like, you know, throw us a bone and just like, tell us, you know, hey, you have to change, you know, this function call in the EFM, you know, to this other one, you know, kind of thing. But um, most of that stuff is kind of word of mouth um, now.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, especially since they published that API. I mean, they have a project.
4: Yeah, it doesn't exactly have, you know, a cha- change log, let's say, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I think um, with 2.7, um, the way that you make a, um, a draw call to um, the flight control services of the external part of the plane changed. Um, and it changed in this like very minor way, but you had to dig through like, I don't know, it was like a you know 2000
2: line
4: C++ file for this comment that says, oh, you need to use this new one. Um, and that's actually, I, I found that and then pinged particle, man. That was actually yep. the first time we talked. Our, like, our butt. I, yeah. And I was like, Hey, uh, <laughs> I found this weird thing and that's why your plane isn't going to work. Why the rudder won't move. <laughs> so just like change this one thing. Um, and that's how it's a lot crazy. of it works.
5: I mean, I've learned a lot here in the last 20 minutes, but we're talking about other people's modules. Let's talk about your modules. I'm curious about the gripping. So, I mean, can you guys tell us what's coming? IKEA. Ikea. In Swedish meatballs.
2: Uh, <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> uh, yeah. We actually, we actually replaced the gun uh, to a to a meatball dispenser. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's smart. Shoot that's that's smart. smart. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I mean, Vaino, you're you're more of the the leader of the project than I am. Uh, I, I'm a 3D modeler and uh, animator. But yeah, we're 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 making the Gripen an early version, I think, to start with, and then we're Moving on and developing it like as much as we can, basically.
6: so uh, initially, what we decided to do with the Grip and mod um, is in order to get uh, something in the community's hands sooner, uh, the 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 whole uh, process that that I decided to take the team on is I wanted to get something basic and polished to get into the community's hands so that they can enjoy. Um, and we have a broad, long roadmap of a lot of things that we want to put into the mod in a future point in time. But, uh, but so, so we are going to release in two weeks, actually in two weeks, on the 6th of the 6th of uh, 2021. Um, it's going to be a, a basic uh, uh, modified SFM, custom weapons, custom 3D model, um, custom animations, uh, custom cockpit. Um, And so we're going to get a basic version of all of those things out there. If anyone wants more specifics of specifically what they're going to get in V1, uh, I welcome them to hop on our Discord and check us out. Um, And so we're going to get a clean, essentially bug-free, hopefully, uh, version out for people to play and enjoy. Um, And as people are enjoying the mod, we are going to significantly push forward Uh, to have many more features including uh, clickable cockpit, uh, custom radar, uh, maybe a couple more custom weapons, an EFM, um, some other variants. So for this point in time, we're gonna have the C I'm working on. uh, We already have a model for the D that we're gonna get, uh, the D is the two seater, um, that we're going to get uh, for future releases. Um, And we'll see how far uh, we can get it. So uh, once again, Uh, The the version you're going to get right now is a version that we're trying to get as clean as possible in your hands for you to enjoy. Um, It's going to be essentially like an FC3 variation. You're going to have an air-to-air and an air-to-ground version. Um, And uh, and while everyone's enjoying the first version, we are going to continue chugging along with tons of new features um, and continual updates uh, as we go along. And so we're really, really excited about it. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, plane, and, uh, and and we're excited to have something in your in your hands soon.
0: That's gonna be really cool. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Uh, can I just interject real quick, though? I got I got three things sure. to ask. Uh, number mm-hmm. one, you said bug free, doubt.
6: Right, so you're going to have some Let bugs. him believe um, <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> we, we, we will okay. have, we'll, we'll have some bugs that is inevitable, but uh, one of the reasons why we're pushing for a relatively basic version of what we want initially is so that you can get something that you can actually enjoy and have. Um, <clears throat> so that's the reason why we're getting something relatively basic compared to what we ultimately want to do uh, for the initial release. Um, and also, uh, the feedback from the community is going to greatly help us uh, improve the quality that's of the cool. mod. Yep, yep. Um, y- yeah, I was I, I just it's, it's, to... it's not just a picture, right? No, that's <laughs> <the> basic
4: <laughs>
0: I would actually on that one. That
3: might be bug free. That would be, you know, yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, software, the right, never has bugs, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, Jackers. Yeah, <laughs> same, same with you, right? As <laughs> it's, it's other people's software that
6: has bugs. Yeah, they're I, nine, mine doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a saying here: when when a when a dancer can't dance, he says the floor is crooked. So if there's problems <laughs> exactly. problem is with your computer. Not exactly,
0: only. exactly. Uh, the second question I had is: you said EFM later. Are you going? You're so you're going SFM first, and then you'll implement an EFM.
6: Yeah, so we're going to have a modified SFM, we actually have a, a pilot of the Czech Air Force that is uh, testing it out and, and giving us uh, some information. So it is not just going to be an F-15 that looks like a Gripen, it's going to actually fly as close as an SFM allows us uh, to fly, and, and and also as close as the information we have available to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's going to fly as close as possible, uh, given those two uh, restrictions, uh, initially, um, and and this was a decision that was made because an EFM is a is, it's quite complicated. It's it, it's one of the most intricate aspects of making a mod, um, and uh, so we decided to go SFM initially in order to get the mod in people's hands sooner. But we are uh, we have already started on an EFM. We have a coder who has a good amount of experience with those. We have uh, firsthand. Uh, individual, a pilot that will uh, help us make it as accurate as possible. So you, you can definitely expect to see an EFM eventually, uh, but but at, uh, initially it will be a modified SFM.
2: Yeah, it it actually flies pretty good already. Uh, I I did a a test flight and we invited our community to to be part of it and we streamed it and uh, flew around and did some maneuvers, some loops and spins and all, all of that. Uh, and it it actually flies pretty good. It's it's nothing like like as soon as you see, it, say it's an FC3 mod, you you expect it to fly like a UFO and and not feel like a, a fighter yet. But I I think this really does. Uh, I have I have no idea how a wheel gripping feels, but uh, I'd say it's it's pretty good. But of course, it's going to be much better when the EFM is ready. And then
0: you you said a two seater variant later.
2: Yeah, yeah so. we're we're working on it. Uh in in the real airplane, the two seater is it's for training only. Uh right. there's no Rio or Wizo or anything. It's it's for training, but but it, it looks very cool and it's it's there in real life and it would be awesome to to be able to, ha- to have it as a two seater. Uh it, it could also be used for training in DCS, uh, maybe. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's coming. That's cool. Of
6: a fetish for 2 fighter jets. I don't know what it is, but they just look better to me with a guy in the backseat. Mm, um, doubt. What about? So, I, I pushed hard Yeah, someone, someone to watch you. Say, he said person. it was
4: a fetish. So. <laughs> I was about to ask that. <laughs> <Asmo> <laughs> guy
5: by the sword. <laughs> Asmo, you read my mind.
4: <laughs>
3: so, I have a question uh, for all these modules. So, okay, so we had a, a Gripen guy uh, is is testing it out. Um, mm-hmm. I know for the T45, there was, there was some involvement by people who had flown them. Um, yes. what about for the, what other modules do we have here? C one thirty. Yeah. That-
4: um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, um, uh, subject matter experts that, that have worked with us. Um, you know, a couple folks that are, you know, active duty, um, flying the Hercules now, mm-hmm. um, a couple of people that have flown it, um, I mean, it's it's a lot easier for us, I think, than other mods. Though I mean, like the C one hundred and thirty is like super widely exported. It's been yeah. in service in some version or another for like fifty years, and so it's not too hard to find people that um, have time in the uh, in the seat. But it's also, you know, it's a it's a four engine prop plane, which doesn't have a whole lot of um, precedent in the game. So efm um, yeah, wise, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit slippery. So um, and you know, still not done, obviously.
3: Well, I guess okay. the, the question I have for all of you is, is in working with these guys, like how, how difficult have you found it to take their feedback and make it tangible? Because, you know, with my own working with Polychop on the, on the 58, you know, sometimes it's hard to articulate what, what I'm feeling or not feeling and trying to put that in words that, that they can then say, Oh, okay, this is what we need
4: to tweak. So how, how have you guys found that mm. process? Is it confusing? Is it frustrating? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it depends a lot on, you know, the subject matter expert specifically, right? <laughs> like some people are really good at articulating that stuff in ways that yeah. are easy to translate into code and some people aren't. And so, you know, you spend more time with the people that are, that are more articulate. But, um, I mean, at least where we tried to start is, you know, fundamentally like the DCS, EFM, system is like a table-based um flight model and so what that means is like for different speeds and different you know uh areas of the um of the control envelope um you know there are values that correspond to what the plane should do right? right it should go up it should slow down it should have drag lift whatever um and so what we went out and did is looked for you know actual charts that showed you know what the plane ought to do, you know, in terms of climb out or you know what it you know what it ought to do um in terms of drag. Um you know does it have like Dutch roll characteristics, those kinds of things. And then actually say, okay, well like when we put ours in a you know 20 degree climb and you know put it to full power, like you know, does it match the chart? Um, and so I think like having a baseline like that makes it a lot easier to contextualize um that kind of feedback. Um, but it's hard work. It's um, and very the sim challenging. Doesn't provide any, you know, kind of native tools right. for that. I think it's something people don't understand is like it's, um, like other flight sims, like it's like a full physics kind of based environment. You know, like you drop an object and it falls kind of thing. Um, in DCS, if you drop an object and you want it to fall, you know, you have to write C++ code to <laughs> mm. make it go down. Um, <laughs> so it's, um, which means you know that the possibilities are kind of endless, but. Um, you know, but that's all that's all work you
1: have to do yourself. Yeah, with the T forty five, we've got about a dozen IPs, instructor pilots, uh, students, current people flying the jet or have flown the jet. We have maintainers who are telling us power plant curves and run up charts. We've got a wealth of data for the T forty five firsthand knowledge uh, that's been passed to us and. You know, I, people who are going to be listening to this are going, well, yeah, the jet doesn't fly anything like the real T-45 right now, and I, we we are aware of that. Uh, it, it definitely has some shortcomings, but you also don't have our newest flight model, which yeah. is not public, which we're continually tuning, which has more of the things like the... Often criticized lack of pitch buck. Pitch uh, buck, yeah, this it a pitch
0: scientist. buck.
1: <laughs> uh, I, if I get that question one more time, let me just put it out here. We're aware of it. We have been told from the people who fly the jet that, yes, it is a tendency of the aircraft, but it is not essential to flying the aircraft and making it perform the way that it needs to perform to be useful. And that's all I'll say about that. But like I said, we have an internal flight model that we are tuning to be more realistic right now. And I guarantee you, if we had released the more realistic flight model, everyone would have trashed the jet because (laughs) it is a handful of a jet. Um, It wants to kill you. And we wanted to make something that was a little bit more, and I'm not saying that it's a kid gloves version of the jet, but what we focused on was the lower end performance envelope of the jet around the boat, because we knew that's what people wanted to do. So the Mm -hmm. plane is more tuned for that lower third to to half uh, envelope, flight envelope of the jet, just so people are aware. And I don't know if I made this clear enough by releasing it, but that's what we focused on with this version that is currently the version 1.01 that's out in the wild right now. Uh, And so I I get messages daily still of people who are like, I flew the jet yesterday and your flight model is not good. And I was like, okay, context, context is really important here. And like Matt just said, it is really challenging to put together an EFM that behaves exactly like the flight characteristics of a real jet in this simulator. It's very challenging. The people who have done it well, that have retail modules like the F-14, are wizards and are really, really good at what they do in interpreting actual flight performance data to actual code implementation. And I love that jet, and there are jets that hit the mark and still don't hit the mark, even as third-party retail modules. And so it is definitely an ongoing thing. I mean, how many years into the F-18 development are we right now, and the flight model is still being tuned? Just keep that in yeah. mind, is they're still tweaking that flight model. Well, the, the
3: ability for the community to bitch and moan about things that are free will will never... You know, I'll never be able to fathom it. But you know, at the end of the day, I think that what also has to be acknowledged, just like you said, it's 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 almost impossible to really capture every aspect of something that flies um, in DCS or really any any, any game, simulator. Any did you just
0: call it a but, game? Did yeah, you just call but, it a game? But
3: I, I did. Oh my God, I, did. I gotta leave Flame right me, now. Fire
4: away! Yeah, <laughs> I'm out the door.
5: But um,
3: and and even real military simulators are you know we fly them and it's like this is terrible like this doesn't feel anything like the real aircraft um but with that being said it, it, w- w- regardless where you stand on it's a game it's a simulation you still have to make it fun and so i think what a lot of people particularly on the helicopter side don't understand is like it takes a long time to learn how to hover yeah. for instance if if i sell you a, a, a game simulator or whatever um and you can't do something with it the first day or two you're probably never going to pick it up again so it's got to be like something that somebody can buy and enjoy relatively quickly they have to get really good at this in order to do the very basics yeah. with it most people want to pick it up and play it and so i think with with these mods and, and really with third parties and everybody they just have to find that balance between it's realistic but also playable and you can have fun with it when you're Absolutely. sixteen
1: you know what i mean absolutely so. i mean we'll there's a reason why auto start exists because you yes know for what? me yes if you buy the a10 and you sit in the a10 for the first time yeah. and you look down at all the switches and you go how in the hell do i start this thing yeah. up i mean I'll, I'll be honest with you the first time i sat in that a10 uh, years and years ago when i started playing dcs before vr i looked at that thing and i went eh, i'm good i'll be back in a few years
6: yep and You guys bring up a really good point, and and the the main reason why I wanted to kickstart this this whole chat on on the podcast is I feel like a good portion of the vitriol that the modding the community gets is due to the fact that the community doesn't quite understand what goes into making a mod, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean there, there will always be haters. I learned that with the T forty five release. You know, no matter what you do, people will hate on it, yep. and I feel like a good portion of the hate is. Due to the fact that people don't know what goes into making a mod, and the difficulties of making a mod, and also the fact that the code is quite hostile to non-third-party modders, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. that this podcast and, and you know uh, better communication of non-third-party modders to the community will will assuage at least a portion of the hate that you know gets tossed our way. Yeah, I'm open to discuss what mm-hmm.
1: it takes to put some of these mods together. If somebody wants to know why something is the way it is, I have no issue engaging them, uh, and, and, and walking through some things, but the moment that they claim to be an expert, and I know that they've never flown a plane, um, I'm a general aviation. I know there's people in here who fly commercially or are ex, you know, uh, enlisted or, you know, have flown the jets or helicopters. And those are the people that we engage because I am not an expert on the T-45. I know quite a bit about the aircraft now. But when I need to know when the plane stalls in this specific configuration, I don't guess. I literally message one of a half dozen test pilots I have who've flown the real jet or currently flying and say, give me some feedback, walk me through what happens when the plane does this, and then we try and model it in the flight model data. That is literally what we're doing yeah. with our jet to the best of our ability.
4: And it's, another, it's another good point about like, Why this is an interesting thing to do, though, is like, yeah, I'm not, you know, a pilot. I don't, I've never sat in a C-130, but, you know, now I know a lot about it. (laughs) And like, if you find that process interesting, you know, learning about, you know, the intricacies of how these systems work, these really complicated systems, then, you know, you'll enjoy it.
5: So I got a question here. So uh, for Particle Man, so you're talking about like, you have all these real pilots that tell you like, it stalls at this speed, this configuration. How do you... Put that into code. I have no idea where to even start. Well,
1: like Matt said, this the the flight models in the EFM's are chart are table based. So the more granular, there's no limit. And Matt, please step in and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I don't personally tune the flight model on the T45. I'm the project manager, the art director, and the creative director on the project. So, um, so my my I, I'm dangerous in Lua and and C++. I don't claim to be an expert in any of those, but Uh, you can add as much granularity as you have insight into into that flight model table data. So the more detail and the more data points you pump into it, the more accurate it's going to be. And that's why when you fly an SFM compared to an EFM, if you put the plane into a stall configuration, you will notice that an SFM will just freeze midair. Like, if you put it into a a vertical climb and it runs out of airspeed, usually an SFM will just stick there for a few seconds Mm. before it, like, breaks and tumbles and falls back before it starts flying again. With our EFM data, you know, we tried to, because the plane needed to be really accurate in how it performed in its slow speed, dirty configuration for carrier landings. We made sure that, you know, we had a lot more data in that lower end of the flight model so that stalls would be more realistic so that the plane wouldn't just freeze. It would, it would break. It would, it would stall a wing left or right. It had asymmetric lift. And so, you know, for those of you who have flown an aircraft, you know, you can stall one wing before another one and that's where you get the roll. Before it'll start flying again and pick up, so that's the kind of granularity you can get of the expertise of an engineer who can do that based on the feedback of the performance data from a real test pilot and we've been given charts that you know here's how the plane should fly at 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 two thousand feet Agl standard temperature standard pressure um you know going this configuration here's here's what I should hit and we tune the engine for that or we turn the drag or the lifts and and all those kind of things. So it's 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 definitely a juggling act to get all those things tuned out. And again, we have no wind tunnel to test this performance and it's 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 changing values. I mean uh in, in a in a spreadsheet essentially yeah. yeah I mean
4: it's it's hard because like um or like maybe an example with the Herc is um like our last release, you know, people notice that um you know the the pitch authority was just way too great. Um, the plane has you know pretty pretty good um uh pitch authority like at, at lower speeds, but then you get going, you know, 350 knots, and you know, you could like loop the plane, you know, just, just like in you know comically short amounts of um of uh of distance. And so, you know, like the EFM API lets you do whatever you want, but it but it's not going to build in any kind of, you know, drop off based on drag. You know, those are exactly. things where you have to say you have to say, you know, in your code, okay, look, you know, the, you know, the um, you know, it's a you know, it, it's not a fly-by-wire plane. You know, you'd have to be insanely strong to be able to hold the yoke back at, you know, you know, three, uh, three G's or whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, to make it, to make it, uh, enjoyable to fly, you have to just, you know, put a plug in there and say, um, you know, at, you know, at four G's, you know, you don't get any more, um, control authority, those kinds of things, um, that are, you know, part of the trade-off because people are flying with like a thrustmaster um, you know, warthog or something. Right. Whereas the actual plane has, you know, this huge heavy control column and you can't just yank it back. And, you know, just, you know, give it full control authority, um, whereas you can with your joystick. And so finding ways Sugar to Trigger can, because he went to, right? yeah,
5: went to the <laughs> yeah, gym. Yeah, he went to the gym. I pulled that thing back. <laughs> yeah.
4: Nice, nice. But, but yeah,
6: no, but that, one makes, thing that I wanna, makes sense. Yeah, one thing I want to reiterate, and, and I hope we're kind of putting this across, all of this is an immense amount of work. Not all of it is necessarily fun, done by hobbyists on their free time. So this stuff takes time, a lot of time to get done right
5: yeah so okay i guess i kind of got a question for all the developers here um what would you say the hardest thing is so like a new guy's coming into mod so like hey tricker dumb trickers coming into mod what would be like your advice like what is the hardest thing that i can experience if i'm going to make an airplane
6: flight model
4: yeah, the flight model is by far the hardest thing because the way that it works requires you to actually understand aerodynamics, and I I didn't know that. Uh, I'm not you know uh, an aerodynamics expert. Um, but
5: how did you learn though?
4: Uh, the internet, you know, um, oh. you know. I think anybody that writes code knows that you know uh, you know Google is your friend here. Um, you know, in in all things software, but especially this. I mean, you know, I spend all kinds of time now, you know, reading about um, you know different aerodynamic concepts or um, you know geometry. I mean, like there's yeah, just, dynamics. there's so yeah. Um, so this it is you end up doing a lot of trigonometry too. <laughs> it's like I, I think I would have been better at this if I had started doing it as like a eleventh grader. You mean I didn't <laughs> pay I was attention in geometry. To yeah, well, you might be surprised, but I have forgotten most it of uh, <laughs> geometry. Um, but now I've remembered it because that's you spent a huge amount of time doing uh, doing trig uh, to sort of represent some set of numbers in some particular way. You know, radians, degrees, cosines, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you spent a huge amount of time doing.
6: Also, keep in mind that EFM is is a relatively new aspect to non third party modding. And uh, a lot of the progress that has been made is due to shared effort and collaboration. Um, And and this is something that I would say even before this year, you would find very, very rare amongst mods in DCS.
0: Real quick, too, um, to your point, um, Matt, is I think you're not going to succeed trying to become a third-party developer or, sorry, a a mod developer in general, even a third-party developer. If you don't have a passion for going out there and right. researching and learning that kind of stuff, like if you're like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm just going to go find some numbers and plug them in. It's not going to work. And then, you know, if if that's as far as you're willing to go, you're, you're not going to be successful. You got to have a passion for that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, that's kind of a, a thing amongst developers. You know, we, we like to research the why. Yeah. So- yeah. And if you don't, you'll just you'll
4: just suck at it. And, yeah, exactly. you know, that's fine. But, you know, the people that are good at this kind of stuff are people that really enjoy it and that and that technical yeah and
0: also Um, back to the point about you guys talking about plugging the numbers in the tables you know this altitude and this speed and blah blah blah, and trying to get a fine granularity as far as how the efm works at those various configurations um it occurred to me that uh you probably only have so much flight data to deal with in the first place you're looking at those charts you know the t-45 is probably not flying up at 40 thousand fifty thousand feet in those charts to right. give you those numbers and yet we have people right. in dcs that do the and, same and then they're like why does the it-
4: community roasts you yeah you get roasted for the edge
0: of the envelope yeah things. and they're like yeah. why does it yep. fly like a ufo when i get up to fifty thousand feet i i increase to mach three in a t-45 and you're that's like because well because you
5: can shoot a fox three missile eighty thousand miles at fifty <laughs> thousand exactly. feet that's right
0: that's <laughs> right at mach two right. yeah and i think right. i think that applies to even in the past you know some of the third party Stuff. Like the Mirage 2000, I remember back in the day, like 1.5, when that thing was out, you could fly up to like 60,000 feet and become, you know, a, a, oh, a yeah. you know, Mach 3 and fire off a missile and just n- annihilate people uh, with, a, with at a range that, you know, they couldn't hit you at. And then the same things happened right. in the Vigan and the same things happened in the F the 14. People go up to these altitudes, and, you know, I'm betting, I'm betting. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm betting they just left data out of the tables for that because they didn't have data for it, and so they had to go make something up when when the community did that. I mean, a lot of it's like, just
4: not even planning for it. I mean, there's when we say tables, it's it's not literally. I mean, I guess you could do it literally, like literally as a table, um, but I think you know most of that is just not even anticipating what people are going to do with the plane, um, and you know those are the cases where you know like. you have to kind of be defensive about it and say like you know how could i prevent the plane from doing certain truly insane things at any point um so that you don't get you know someone on on youtube putting up a video like hey look you know the hercules can you know i don't know do a Pugachev's cobra or something and so therefore these guys suck (laughs) which like is for sure not the analysis
1: (laughs) so so i mean real real quick like that was you know in our our verse uh 1.0 version release you know people were flying the t-45 up to you know like you said fifty thousand feet and hitting like mach 1. whatever but you know in our 1.1 release uh we built in a uh i'm not going to say accurate but we built in an engine performance curve at altitude so now the jet can't do that any longer and is more realistic but again you know, like you said, you're talking about people doing the five percent performance envelope that we weren't designing the aircraft for, and so it's just a matter of adding those data sets, adding those performance uh, curves in to limit the, you know, the 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 lift fall off for the thinner air. The engine, we know those they exist, and and there are some there's some data in there, but the full extent of it, like I said, just comes right. with time. Do you have something Trigger?
5: So thanks for all the. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks for all the information on the flight model. That was a, a lot to take in. Uh, but I was kind of curious, Breadmaker, you're the 3D modelist? Yep, that's right. So take us through, like, what do you do to make it look good?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. You 3D model the plane, and then you put it in DCS. No. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> just like that all right next question you asked (laughs) the man
4: man coming in with the tough questions
2: (laughs) i i want to say first i am not actually a 3d modeler by by trade i do it in my free time and i'm i'm self-taught and on our model for the Gripen, uh, it's actually a combination of 3d models that we have made ourselves and then also 3d models that we have acquired and have got like Permission to use uh, that that other people have created. So the most work I've done on the Gripen is actually animation, uh, but also some 3D modeling. But but yeah, basically you you take a 3D software. Uh, you can use uh, I don't know if you can use any software. I think the official one is 3ds Max. Yeah, 3DS I personally Max
4: use Blender. I think there's a plugin yeah. for Blender.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I personally use Blender actually, uh, but we have other people in our team that uses 3ds uh, there are some limitations in blender right now uh, some things that you either can't do or that's pretty tricky to do uh, so 3ds max is the way to go but it's very very expensive so for someone who doesn't work with it, it it's it's too expensive um, but yeah you basically make a model of a plane uh, or an object uh, ikea a meatball whatever um, and the way I see it, uh, since it's supposed to be in a in a simulator, uh, you you might want to make like as as realistic and as as close to the real plane uh, that you want. Uh, but that's also up to personal preference. If if it's going to be a an an AI plane, for example, that's not going to be seen up close ever, uh, then it could be a little less detailed maybe. Uh, but yeah, you, you make the three D model and then you use the plugin. I think it's a plugin for three D S Max also. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, on that. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's a plugin that converts the 3D model to an EDM file, which is the file format that DCS yep. uses. And it, that EDM file, file contains a bunch of information. What type of object is this? Is it a, like a 3D object, or is it a, uh, like a a node object that isn't actually visible, but that has some kind of function? Uh, is it a light? Um, what material does it have? Does it have animation? And, and then there's variables attached to those animations, and so on and so on. So yeah, you make a 3D object, but that's the start. Then you start adding EDM functions on that. Uh, and then you connect those EDM functions to code, basically. And then it works. And
5: then you got to put textures on top of it.
1: yeah yeah
2: um yeah Yeah, you don't
1: stop it you don't stop at the model then you have to do something called uv unwrapping which is basically cutting the 3d model into a two dimensional representation which is what it becomes the paint kit and then you have to take the model over to another program to do all the realistic texturing like we did with i I did with the t45 and take it over to substance painter and you put all the weathering on it you do all the the base coats of all the surfaces and how they reflect and how they should you know be the tires the gear all that stuff the lights like uh Brad was yeah. saying and uh then you bring it back and then i handed it off to two uh livery painters so i didn't need to do that myself which was great because they could just go in there and start painting up all the realistic liveries we wanted to release with the initial 45 but there's definitely a um a back and forth and a lot of revisions just like anything with the 3d modeling is we created the um, t45 from scratch so that model is brand new um, and so we own um, all the rights to it so we had to do every step of the process of um, the initial um, lock-ins to the bakes to the unwraps to all the animation and rigging and everything to hook up for the code is was completely from scratch for that plane. Would it? It's would,
4: it's a lot of work. Would it be easier if um like if like if uh, DCS ran inside of like uh, like Unity or like one of the big like game engines? Would that would that simplify the process on the model side?
1: Um, I mean, I, I will tell you this: I've actually brought our T forty five into Unreal Engine. Um, and other than flipping the, because uh, that's actually where my experience is. I've been making games for 20 years, and I do Unreal. And so I wanted to see if I could get it in there. Other than flipping the uh, the, R, the the metal and roughness channels, because they're flipped in DCS from standards, um, it slotted right in. I will have to reanimate and re-rig everything, which I haven't done. But the plane slots in and, and renders perfectly fine in Unreal. So um, we're actually doing some experiments in Unreal with it right now.
6: Now, there's one thing you Particle can attest to, is, is as an art director, sometimes you need to make a decision. Do you want a certain piece of detail to be made 3D-wise, or do you want it to yep. be made texture-wise?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I actually, uh, on our project, I, I mostly worked on the cockpit, uh, and uh, I I worked closely with another guy on the team and we use the like a priority list and, and we base that priority list on how how often are you going to look at this part and how much or and how well are you going to see it so like a screw that's on the back side of the ejection seat you're never going to see it that doesn't have to be detailed it Correct. probably doesn't have to be there uh, but like the buttons on the UFC you're going to look at them all the time they need to look good
1: yeah Well, and the other thing, too, that we're experimenting with, with the T45 is, and I'm sure people are aware of this, if you exactly to what Breadmaker just said is you you put the detail and the effort into the things that are going to be used the most, you know, your priorities for all your you know consoles and your instrumentation and the, the the MFDs and whatnot that everybody's going to be looking at a hundred percent of the time. with your effort, so you know things like the ejection seat, which yeah, you're going to arm the ejection seat and safe it and whatever. But our ejection seat is just an off-the-shelf ejection seat that I bought because I knew that I was eventually going to have the ability to replace that with a. Photogrammetry version of the ejection seat at some point down the road. It was on the list to do so. That ejection seat that's in there is 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 temp right now, and so um, we've been experimenting with going out and shooting the real ejection seat that's in the plane, and then building a um, and and this is what Heatblur has done. Is Heatblur actually went out and shot the F-14 ejection seats, and then uh, basically baked them into a lower poly real-time model, and that's why their stuff looks so good is because it's the real thing. And that's another step in the process of 3D modeling to make it look more believable and more realistic.
0: It's a lot of work. A lot of work for sure. It's a lot of work. Um I wanted to give a chance to 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 Matt. We 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 talked a lot about the T45 and um also the grip and um Matt, we haven't really talked much about about your plane. Do you want to let everybody know about what you guys have, and uh, maybe what's been going on with it, and what we can expect?
4: yeah, yeah, I mean so um, so we have a c one thirty and that's a big cargo plane. and um, the cool thing about um, the herc, yeah, at least like from a multiplayer like gameplay perspective is that you know it kind of opens up um, you know whole different Gameplay types to DCS that kind of didn't really exist before. Um, You know, I think like anybody that's ever played um, like on uh, the Gaul servers, you know, like you you want to go cap the base, and so you go to this radio command, and you you know select like send cargo plane, and like half the time it crashes, and it always flies from like some weird base that's you know forty five minutes away, and just kind of the you know kind of the realism is not really there. And so that's kind of, you know, that's one of the big things for us that it adds is, you know, the ability for an actual player to jump into the cockpit and, you know, load up, um, you know, a tank or a bunch of infant, you know, physically fly to a base and, you know, drop those off or, you know, do airdrops with Sam's. Um, and those are all, all things that you can do um, with the mod. Um, and so it's, you know, I think, I think that's just the big, you know, the big selling point for us is just that it's totally unique. Um, there's really nothing else like it in the game, you know, paid or otherwise um, in terms of like what's coming, um, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, we're going to have a release in the next couple of weeks here um, where radios ought to be working, um and some really neat navigational features that the real plane has. Um and then, you know, after that we'll just uh see what the future holds.
0: Pretty cool. I actually have yet to try out that mod. I keep telling myself I need to try it. And I started sure. that they added support for it in
1: uh Dude, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean it looks amazing. I I'd have a hard time installing mods just because I have to download them and that sounds like a little bit of work. <laughs> um it's- you 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 cut a folder into a I'm, different folder. I'm joking. I'm just lazy. Um, <laughs> the features that, that Matt
1: has, has coded uh, into the project are just the ability to uh, troops, uh, cargo loads. Uh, it, it, it's so cool. It's so worth the time. I love flying that plane. I love messing with that plane. Uh, it's one of the things that I fly more, if I'm not flying the T45 or just screwing around, I'll go and fly that thing. Cause yeah, I'll I love definitely it so check much. it out.
0: I, I was going to say, they look like they added support for it in the DCS liberation campaign. Um, oh, and, I didn't even know yeah, that. So I, that kind of opened you know, my cool. eyes. I was like, Oh, I wonder how useful it would be during that. Cause I, I usually do that once or twice a week. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like it,
4: it, it gives you the ability to actually place you know, large ground assets and have a real ground war in a way that, you know, just kind of didn't really exist before. Um, you know, like we, the mission that I maintain, um, you know, what we added was like, we took away all the weapons stores basically at the bases that you might capture and you got to do resupplies. Right. And it just, it totally changes the way that people engage with stores. Right. You know, people aren't all of a sudden loading up 10 AMRAMs, you know, or jettisoning them on the way back (laughs) to RTB because they can fly a little faster without the drag. Um, You know, so you get in the Herc, you know, you, you know, you load up a bunch of, you know, a bunch of Fox threes and, you know, you fly, you know, from, from some other base in Syria and, you know, drop them off at the, um, at the at the you know, the forward base that you just capped. it just it's a level of immersion and fun um, that um, has just totally transformed um, you know, the missions that that I've worked on. but um it's just something that's pleasing from the game. and especially if you've got like um you know, a dynamic campaign that might be released sometime this century, um, you know, you could imagine that being really compelling um, in an environment like that as well. You're kind of hamstrung in some ways with the resupply stuff because there's no like, warehousing api in the game really so you can't make right. it persist um but even still um it's a it's it's an absolute blast That's Cool,
0: yeah i'll definitely have to check that out it is on my to-do list for sure um i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up there uh, it's been a very interesting one one and a half hours we've been talking now and i'm sure we can go on for more so we'll probably have to have you guys back um i have some questions that i feel like we're going to be some lengthy discussions so i don't want to get into them right now um but man, we covered a lot of stuff, and I really appreciate all you guys, of course, tuning or joining, and uh, then also everybody who's going to listen later. I'm sure we'll have questions. So if anybody has questions for these guys, uh, you can join their their discords and ask. Uh, you can feel free to ask them in the Air Combat Sim Podcast Discord, and we can get them uh, answered as quickly as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been guess- it's been awesome discussion.
5: Go I got one more quick question for Breadmaker. What makes a good Swedish
2: meatball? Like, give me the ingredient. <laughs> a good Swedish meatball. It needs to be uh, mamma skålen uh, meatballs. Um, yeah, that's the secret. So what is it? <laughs> it's a brand. A Swedish brand. Yeah, I was, was going oh, to say I think Those, a brand of it's
1: horse meat. meatball. Yeah, you got to start with the right meat yeah. trigger.
2: Oh. You know, the gripen is actually. Uh, almost everything on the Gripen is is classified and part of that classification is the Swedish meatball uh, recipe so yeah sorry (laughs) can't help you well I do appreciate
5: the sense of humor
0: All right, guys well thanks again and uh, we'll have to have you guys back on I really did enjoy all of that very insightful and uh, hopefully you get some more uh, community people who listen to this and get interested and we get more stuff going it'll be cool um, thanks, thanks for the
6: invite. Thank you. you yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure.
1: Had a good time. Thanks for listening to Air Combat Sim. Don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about it. You have a question, idea for an episode, or a special guest you'd like us to invite? Feel free to reach out on Facebook, Discord, or via email. Air Combat Sim was brought to you by BVR Productions.